choir makes its way into the congregation. Let me just tell you about a human spirit story that I really enjoy. In the winter of 1925, a small Alaskan town named Nome, situated on the edge of the Arctic Circle, found itself in a break of an unimaginable crisis. An outbreak of diphtheria threatened to wipe out an entire community of about 1,400. Nome's lone physician, Dr. Curtis William Welch, feared that the infection would spread. It could put at risk the surrounding communities of more than 10,000 people. Children were especially at risk along with a large number of native Alaskans who had no resistance to the disease. However, to make things worse, Dr. Welch stocked his stockpile of diphtheria toxin had expired several months earlier. Welch had already placed an order for shipment, but it was delayed, and now the winter had set in and the ports were closed because of ice. This meant that Dr. Welch would have to wait until the spring until the ice thawed. And by then, it would have been too late. However, an antitoxin was located. But the nearest point, point of the serum could get by rail was Ninana, located about 674 miles from Nome. With the blizzard approaching, air travel was ruled out. So the officials determined that the only way to deliver this serum in time was through a dog sled teams. The antitoxin could be only delivered by dog sled teams through the portion of the Iditarod Trail, which was the only route that was accessible during the harsh winter times. So a heroic relay team of 20 mushers and about 150 dogs were assembled to transport this anti-serum across 640-mile trail from Ninana to Nome, braving gale forces of minus 85 degrees Fahrenheit, the whiteout con conditions across the remote Alaskan interior. However, the life-saving serum was delivered to Nome in a record-breaker time of 127 hours, about five and a half days, without a single vial being broken. The great race of mercy was completed and the life-saving serum, life serum was delivered to Nome. Many aspects of this journey are commemorated annually during the Iditarod dog sled race. Aren't you? I know I am. I am very amazed by the strength of the human spirit. The never give up hope attitude. The admire of the tenacity, the courage, the drive, the determination, the single-mindedness, the commitment that will carve out a way forward when there seems to be no way forward. Man, haven't you all just enjoyed the teaching on Habakkuk? Matt mentioned the other day in staff meeting he, that he has re received more responses to this study than any other. Well, except maybe John, which what? Took you guys, what, about three to four years to go through? <laughs> but yeah. But you know, when I heard this, it didn't really surprise me. Because haven't we all been able to relate on one level or another to this lament that Habakkuk has pinned to parchment? Haven't we been able to relate to the struggle of trying to believe that God is good when there seems to be so much evil and tragedy in the world? And to make matters worse, that we're down on our knees, we're praying for God to respond 
and his response is totally opposite than what the way we're praying. I mean, seriously? You're going to use Babylon? Come on. But we've been there. We've been able to relate, especially these last few years. I liked how Matt put it last week. He said this in our encouragement. He says, there are ultimately no setbacks to the kingdom mission. There are only catalysts for greater things. Another human spirit that's personal to me, I heard from a dear missionary young lady, well, she wasn't young at that time, but confirmed my calling to become a missionary. As Andrew introduced me, my name is Charlie Seelam. My wife, Teresa, and I, we're residents and missionaries and residents here at First Baptist Church. Um, we're in the process of, of trans, transitioning off the field and making Tupelo our home. Now, I was raised in Oklahoma, though. Now, I became a Christian while I was in elementary school, and my sister and I grew up during those times, and many of you remember these times where the, the bus would go through your neighborhood and pick you up for Sunday school, church. I grew up during those times. And so my life kind of revolved around church because of the Sunday school bus. My allegiance to the Lord as Lord and Savior grew during that phase of my junior high and high school years. And then my first year in college, I came to understand that God was really pursuing an incredible relationship with me. That wasn't only going to be real, but it was going to be personal just for me. Well, in the winter of 1983... Bill Bright, founder of Campus Crusade for Christ, selected Kansas City to host one of the largest at that time Campus Crusade gatherings. KC83 hosted well-known speakers such as uh, Josh McDowell, Howard Hendricks, and the late, great Billy Graham. And then there was this missionary lady who spoke about her and her husband, their experience of teaching the Indian tribe down in South America, it was at the end of Elizabeth Elliot's story and her testimony about him and her and Jim Elliot being down there that I knew that God was inviting me to become involved with, his, with him and in his ministry. I met Teresa our senior year in college, and by the time we graduated with our bachelor's degree in education, we knew that we wanted to partner together to teach the gospel, gospel to pockets of people who didn't have a chance or had little chance of hearing about Jesus Christ. And so we married in December of 1988. After I graduated from seminary in 1992, Teresa and I accepted an assignment to Hokkaido, Japan, part of the Frozen Chosen. We were up there north. And uh, it was a rough time. It was, took some adjustment being from Oklahoma to the Frozen Chosen, but we ended up finishing well. Why we assisted the missionary Blake Western, he was actually from Oklahoma also, we were able to see a core group of people starting to meet to study God's word. And this grew up in, into a church. And Teresa and I had our first child during this time, our son, Colin. We completed our two years, so we weren't real missionaries at that time, we were just kind of interns. And so we finished those two years, and we decided to come back, and we were going to be real missionaries now. Which means that you had to find something physically demanding. Japan's not physically demanding. So we were looking at things like Africa, India, these real physical demanding kind of things so we could have that real missionary kind of idea. My time in Japan was good, don't get me wrong, but I had not had my sights going back to Japan. I wasn't going to go back. I like what Henry Blackaby says, though, in Experiencing God. He says, God's invitation for you 
to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief. That's going to require faith and action. Well, my crisis belief came when I realized that God was calling me back to Japan, the last place I wanted to go, and I'm going back. Now, Truce and I had spent some time in the main office in, at the IMB, the International Mission Board in Richmond. We poured over all kinds of ministry opportunities, and they all looked amazing. We could go and build something. We could go and teach something. We could go and coach something. I really wanted to be a coach in that. And we looked at places like South America, uh, Africa. Oh, man, we could go to Europe. How amazing would that be? Not only that, how about the Mauritius Islands, like tropical islands? I mean, we poured over all these things, but nothing just seemed to resonate with us. And I was like, why isn't, why can't I go to, I mean, wouldn't this be amazing? And nothing resonated. So it was kind of out of that frustration that we were in a hotel, and I just said, we just need to go back to Japan. And wouldn't you know it, (laughs) the Holy Spirit just came down on me, and I knew we were going back to Japan. I was facing a crisis belief that was going to require me to have action and put myself, my faith in him to a land that I really had no interest to return to. But it's been about 40 years since I first heard Elizabeth Elliot that confirmed in my heart that I was going to be relocated to take the gospel to those who had limited or no opportunities to hear about Jesus Christ. And it was 30 years Praise God. I praise God for those 30 years that we lived in Japan of seeing God mature me and my family in our faith so that we might minister to the Japanese out of an overflowing love for our Lord Jesus Christ, to love him with all our mind, our heart, and soul. I love the way Jim Elliott says it. He says it this way. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me to Genesis 24, verses 1 through 9? This morning, I would like for us to read a story from the Scripture that continues to testify of God's tenacity, His courage, His drive, His determination, His single-mindedness, His commitment, and His will of keeping His promises of carving out a way for salvation when there doesn't seem to be a way. However, before we read, I would like to announce that God is making a way for us as a church to go back to Japan. Bless Aichi is going to be a strategy of networking with the churches over there in the Aichi prefecture, specifically in Toyota City, We want to develop a a, a receiving kind of community so that the friends and contacts we make here in Tupelo, Mississippi, we can see them come to know the Lord or if they get close to know the Lord and as they go back to that area, they will seek out that church and we can be a bridge of helping Japanese come to know the Lord. We can continue to see the land of the rising sun continue to move towards becoming the land of the risen sun. Amen? The dates will be October 12th to the 19th. If you're interested, there'll be more information coming out. But if you're interested, please call the front office. Or you can call me. (laughs) Either way. Let's turn our attention now to the scriptures. Genesis 24, 
1 through 9. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in years, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham said to his servant, the oldest of his household, who had charge of all that he had, Put your hand under my thigh, that I, might, that I may make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, and God of earth, that you will not take my wife, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But you will go to my country and to my kindred and take a wife for my son Isaac. The servant said to him, Perhaps the woman would may not be willing to follow me to this land, but must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Abraham said to him, See to it that you do not take my son back there. The Lord, the God of heaven, who took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred, and who spoke to me and swore to me, to your offspring I will give this land. He will send his angel before you, and you shall take a wife for my son there. But if the woman is not willing to follow you, then you will be free from this oath of mine, only you must not take my son back there. So the servant put his hand under the thigh of Abraham, his master, and swore to him concerning these matters. Our main statement today is we have been relocated to spread the message globally. Theologians have highlighted Genesis 24 as being a type, a type. Webster's Dictionary defines type as a figure that represents a model or symbol. Most of you remember the typewriter. And when you push that typewriter, it would put an, a symbol, it would imprint something on that page. And so that's what we're talking about, a, a type. It can also be a, a type of a picture that something's coming, a foreshadowing. The Bible is filled of all kinds of types. Many of us know the type found in Genesis 22, 1 through 14 where Abraham offered his son Isaac on the altar. In this type, we see the impression of God the Father, us as his children, and Jesus the Son becoming the sacrifice on Mount Calvary. This is another, this is another major type found in Scripture that shows that God the Father has given the Son so that our sins may be forgiven. One of my favorites is Ruth and Boaz, that, the type of God being our kinsman redeemer. Today in our text, we're going to see the father is obtaining a bride for his son. This is another type. It's not discussed very often, but I believe it is a beautiful, a beautiful description of how we have a, a relationship with God who can help us understand his will by relying on his guidance. Let me show you Three quick things in the next few minutes that we have. This is a picture of a bride being obtained for a son with the intention of using a servant to fulfill God's plan. Number one, a command to go. Notice in verse four, it says, the father says to the servant, we're talking about Abraham, is talking to his servant. He says, go to my country, to my kindred, and take a wife for my son. Now, this shouldn't be surprising to us because Jesus Christ said the same thing to his disciples as he was ascending, going to heaven. He gave his last order, his last commission was to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Now, this is not an invitation that we are to isolate ourselves. That's our tendency, right? When the tough gets going, you know, we tend to like want to shrink back. But this is not what we hear see in scriptures. 
We're told to go into the world. So listen carefully. This manner of evangelism, we are to share the, we are to show the grace of God, but with the intentions of sharing the grace of God. We can't just sit around and just show the grace. We have to share it. So this is a, a command to open our mouths and to share our testimony. This is what we say over year, overseas. We dub it M to E, mouth to ear. Now, I don't need a, a show of hands, but how many of you feel like you're qualified to preach? Right? Not too many. And this is unfortunate because the word preach today comes with these qualification measures. You have to be qualified for some reason to step up here and to preach the word of God. This was not so in the New Testament. In the New Testament, they used this word called crusoe. Crusoe, they came up with this word as they were looking around to how to describe and encourage the people to go out and share the gospel. They looked around and they looked in their dictionary, their Webster's dictionary, and say, hey, let's use this word, crusoe, which means of a, a bird, a rooster that was to announce the new day. He is the crusoe, the new day. That's where the word comes, the word preach comes from. It's the idea of that if it's simple enough for a bird to crusoe to proclaim the gospel, then anyone should be able to do it. So with some help, I thought of our 21st century word to replace preach. Are you ready? The word I've proclaimed that we use today is gossip. Now, how many of us can gossip? There's no qualification measures you need to gossip, right? It's like Crusoe. It's the low end of doing that. So here it goes. We are to gossip the gospel. We are to gossip the gospel. We're to gospel, gossip about the gospel. We are go we're going to share how lost and lonely and divided we were how sinful and separated we were, but how wonderful and awesome is our God, Lord Almighty. Amen? So, we see in our text this morning, to get a bride, we have to go. Number two, there is a cost to consider. When the servant is commanded to go to the Father, in verse 5, he says, what if? What if she won't come back? What, what if this? What if, what if that happens? When you're challenged to share the Christ, share Christ with someone, do these what-if questions come to mind? I know they do for me. What if, what if people are offended? What, what, if, what if I get embarrassed? What if, what if I uh, stumble over my words? What if they think I'm just some kind of religious nut? What if? There is a cost to going out and showing ourselves of being followers of Christ. But there is a cost to obedience. But I would propose this. Our obedience should stem from our faith rather than the results, rather than our outcomes. So to be obedient, we're just to move forward. Let God take care of the rest. Notice in verse 5, what continues to happen is the servant then says, well, what if she doesn't come back? Not only if there are what ifs, but there's this idea of what if I don't kind of succeed, then what happens? Well, Abram, when we first came on the scene, his name is Abram, and now his name is Abraham. 
because now he is walking in faith. He is aware that he has been relocated physically, mentally, spiritually. He's been transformed. Once you've been genuinely relocated, once you've been genuinely transformed, isn't the last thing you want to do is go back? You don't, know, you don't want to go back the way things were. Abraham is demonstrating this faith of walking forward with God Almighty. And he's setting the example for his servant, but not only for his servant, but for those to come. Paul references Abraham a lot in the New Testament. And Abraham is our example of walking forward by faith. I want to close by showing you this. Point number three is there is a great comfort when we rely on his provision. You know, Matt touched, touched on a little bit on this last week. Matt said we get the word provision, meaning to meet a need, comes from the word providence, to see before. We see this in our, in our verses today. Verse 7, God sees the need. There's, there's a wife that needs to be obtained to keep the promise moving forward. So that seed of God, that Christ will come on the scene. And so he says to his servant, he says, he will send an angel before you. You know, I think the number one reason, excuse that people have for not telling others about Jesus Christ, and it's a, it's a legitimate reason. Um, most say, I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. What, what, am, what am I going to say? I would say from our text today, not to worry about it. That the Spirit will go before you. Notice in Luke 12, 12 says, For the Holy Spirit shall teach you in the same hour what you ought to say. This is a great verse that testifies that the Holy Spirit will touch us, our hearts just at the right moment. And then there will be words that come out. There will be a testimony come out of you that you're like, wow, this is amazing. Now, I'm all for four spiritual laws, steps to peace with God. Those are great tools to use. But sometimes when we use those, those can kind of feel like a canned kind of testimony. But when we rely that the Holy Spirit is working in, around, and through us, our testimonies can be some of the most powerful. However, let me say, though, that we're not part of a relationship where the Father gets upset because you don't lead someone to Christ. That's not his doing. We're, we're not part of a relationship where you get gold stars by your name because everyone is saved by your testimony. That's not the kind of relationship we're in. Or the opposite, we're not in a relationship where God takes stars away from us because we're not sharing. Not at all. Notice in the last part of this text that the servant is released from his obligations once he goes and tells. And if there's no response, Abraham tells his servant, you are free from my oath. You are free from this oath of mine. Let me say again, our, our obedience should stem from our faith to know him and know him and know him. And out of knowing him, we get to make him known. And as we make him known, the results are left up to him. But I guarantee you go back, him, you go back home knowing him even more, knowing him even more. Because that person, even if they say no, you're going to go home going, that could have been me. I could have said no. 
If they say yes, you could say, thank God. That was me. That you touched my heart enough to allow me to say yes. Either way, our obedience is based on our faith, not what the results will be. God will give us the results. My prayer is for us as a church that God give us the kind of grace we need to be a people who have been relocated to participate in not only showing the gospel, but sharing the gospel so that then we can be a part of accomplishing the great commission. Let's pray. Dear Father, we just thank you for this morning. We're grateful for the human spirit of just continuing to push forward. When we don't see things going forward, there are people that raise up that push things to go forward. And yet, we know we were created in your image, and in that spirit, we see you throughout all of testimony, through all of Scripture, you are continuing to push the promise forward. So much so that Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, and rose again so that we may have salvation. And not only that, we get a chance to participate in seeing your will continue to be forward. And that it's not on us. It's totally on us to be obedient, but it's totally on you to give results. If you're here this morning and God is touching your heart, I would say today is the day that you need to come forward and just recognize this this wonderful relationship you can be a part of. As soon as I finish this prayer, there are going to be pastors down here to receive you come forward. If, if you're one of those that this week has just really had a tough time, we'll welcome you to come down. Let us pray for you. The altar will be open for you. Father, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.